Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on the Lakeland Vineyard Podcast. My name is Andy Baker. I'm the lead pastor here at Lakeland Vineyard, and I just wanted to give you a warm welcome and say thank you for spending this time with us. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged through the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And we would love to connect with you and make ourselves available to you. If you would go to lakelandvineyard.org and fill out a connect card, we would love to get in touch with you. Also, I would love to invite you to join us for a worship service at 10 a.m. in the room or online. We would love to see you there. And so as I'm uh, preparing for this message and the craziness of what it is to general contract this and then prepare this and everything else um, in my office is, it's a new design, it's centered. Uh, literally everything is in the center of the office, so it's not usable. And so, um, you know, I'm thinking about this and then I read an email from a friend and it was sent earlier in the week and I, I read it and I'm like, wow. And I called him and um, I said, hey, if you ever send me anything like that again, I will fight you. I said, I am almost having to pack up here at Starbucks because I'm about to be out of control with weeping. <laughs> and so, uh, in a good, I mean, in a good way. And so I want to share with you what was shared with me. And um, because I, th- I think it, it goes right with this passage that we're going to continue to go over, Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Um, but I want to share with you this story first. And it, it's called, it's a blog post actually from this girl who's on American Idol. And she goes by the name of, uh, her singer, songwriter name is Nightbird. And so this is called God is on the Bathroom Floor. And this is one of her blog posts. I don't remember most of autumn because I lost my mind late in the summer. And for a long time after that, I wasn't in my body. I was a light bulb buzzing somewhere, somewhere far. After the doctor told me I was dying, and after the man I married said he didn't love me anymore, I chased a miracle in California. And 16 weeks later, I got it. The cancer was gone. But when my brain caught up with it all, something broke. I later found out that all the tragedy at once had caused my physical a physical head trauma, and my brain was sending false signals of excruciating pain and panic. I spent three weeks, weeks propped up against the wall. On, the nights, on nights that I could not sleep, I laid in the tub like an insect, staring at my reflection in the shower knob. I vomited until I was hollow. I rolled up under my robe on the tile. The bathroom floor became my place to hide where I could scream and be ugly, where I could sob and spit and eventually doze off, happy to be asleep, even with my head on the toilet. I've had cancer three times now, and I have barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and meet with God, that he will say, I disappointed him, or offended him, or failed him. Maybe he'll say, 
I just never learned the lesson or that I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this, he can never say that he did not know me. I'm God's downstairs neighbor banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs and sometimes with curses, sometimes with apologies, gifts, questions, and demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've called him a cheat, a liar, and I meant it. I have told him I wanted to die and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and dip, drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. Call me bitter if you want to, that's fair. Call me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, and the hardened. But count me also among the friends of God, for I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale, laid down in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I am sad too. If an explanation would help, he would write me one. I know it. But maybe an explanation would only start an argument between us and I don't wanna argue with God. I wanna lay in a hammock with him and trace the veins of his arms. I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They beg to arrive in the promised land but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray for 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Every morning, he sent them mercy bread from heaven. I look hard to the answers to the prayers I didn't pray. I look for mercy bread that he promised to bake fresh for me each morning. The Israelites called it manna, which means what is it? That's the same question I'm asking again and again. There's mercy here somewhere, but what is it? What is it? Is it, what is it? I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees in my mother's crooked hands, in the blanket my friend left for me, in the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I ask for, but it is mercy nonetheless. And I learn a new prayer. Thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but I will repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorn, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I'm the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen to him. I know it sounds crazy, and I know I can't explain, really explain it, but God is there even now. I have heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough, and it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. 
God is on the bathroom floor. Pray with me. God, we come to you not understanding everything, rather with the understanding that you are faithful and you are true. In the midst of the instability of our lives, it is you that stands firm. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The never-changing one. Would you come this morning, Holy Spirit? Come and heal our hearts. Come and heal our bodies. Come and heal our minds. That way, that we may be more like you, Christ. Amen. So in the last couple weeks, we've covered vertical and horizontal relationships. Let me lock this orientation real quick. And so we've covered these relationships, the vertical relationship with God, the horizontal relationship with people. And we've been answering questions. Right? And, and one of the questions that was posed was, what is the importance of the request that's talked about in this Matthew passage, which we'll read here momentarily, but, but we, we remember that um, demands, when we demand something, demands create divides. And requests actually put us in unity with other people. And then how can we learn to rejoice with others? If we're living in community called the church, called the local church body, how do we rejoice with others and recognizing that we are in a a Christ-centered fellowship, never coming to another person without Christ in between us? And then how do I approach God with the request was was the topic of last week and understanding that when we approach God, we lift our request before God, but it's lifted with trust that he knows best. And so I'm gonna read this passage again, Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 12, out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And so today's question that I want to ask is this. What if I don't get what I ask for? What if I don't get what I ask for? I just read those scriptures and it says that I'll get it. And I love this question because I would guess, I'd have to estimate that everybody in this room 
at some time or another has asked this question. Well, God, what if I don't get what I asked for? Or maybe we've said it like this. Well, God, I'm not getting what I'm asking for. We've asked the question. And I think what we have to come to, and I know that I've coming, and I'm coming to this, is the actual existence of what we call finitude. The realization that we are not in control of everything, but God is. We have to come to the realization of our imperfection. And even in our request to God, sometimes they are so imperfect. And we have to understand that it wouldn't be safe if we got everything that we ask for. Can you imagine if you got everything in your life that you would have asked for? You might be a totally different person, right? I know I would be. Rooms filled with guitars. <laughs> Shoes. Don't judge me. But, but it's this. We have to understand this, that God is in control, and I don't know any other way to say it. And I don't mean to say that in a cliche way that, you know, hey, God is in control. I mean it like from the depths of who I am, I'm learning more and more that God is actually in control. And I also am learning this, that God is not a cosmic vending machine. A6, D12, Z92, big vending machine. I know that there's some teaching that might say that. I just don't believe that's biblical. Now, it's reflective of the culture that we live in, but I always have a theory on the gospel. If it doesn't preach for me in Zimbabwe, in Somalia, then it doesn't preach. Of course, there's context in everything, but God is not a vending machine. So I want to, uh, this morning, I want to take us through, it's going to look a little different this morning. I want to take us through some passages. I'm going to hit the highlights of these passages. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is this coming week, and I want, if you write it down, take your phone out, take a note real quick, I would love for you to read through these passages holy, though. And here's the passages. The book of Job, the entirety of it, chapters 1 through 42. I would love for you to read that. 42 chapters, Andy? Okay, calm down. It's a book of the Bible. Remember that. Okay, This is the whole thing here, so they're small. All right? Check out Job. I want you to read Psalm 73, 25 verses, I think, all of Psalm 73. And then I want you, if you would, read 
Isaiah chapter 40 through chapter 55. And I'm going to say those again. Some of you are like, I'm doing it, but I got to write it down. The book of Job, Psalm 73, Isaiah 40 through 55. And here's what I want you to do when you're reading those and when I'm reading those. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to simply ask God, would you come? Come and speak to the deepest parts of who I am. And I just want to tell you this, he will. He will. I don't know if it's going to look like tears. I don't know if it's going to look like laughter. I don't know if you're going to get goosebumps. I don't know, but he will speak and interact with the deepest parts of who you are. Because I believe that's what God does. I believe that the deepest parts of who we are is where transformation takes place. And then the fruits of that transformation is seen in our actions. See, I got some good advice for you. Don't try to change exteriorly what you have not tried to pursue interiorly. So what if I don't get what God asked for, or what, what I asked for? Well, I'm going to lead you through a little, the mountaintops here of Job. Job 1 and 2, everything's cool. All right? Job is having a good time. He's living the life. Everything's great. Very prosperous. Plenty of, uh, plenty of land, children, wife, greats. Everything's going good. And there's a test that happens in Job 1 and 2. In chapters 3 through 37, we see this exchange between Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and then Elihu comes in at the end. And these exchanges are, you know, really just really bad advice, right? If you've had friends like that, it's a joy. And so... They're coming in and they're offering him, you know, logical explanation for everything. This is, this is why, Job, this is why you lost everything. Because in that, Job lost everything. Life was not good. His skin is covered with uh, boils and sores. And life is not good. And his friends come. And they offer these explanations that don't help. Job 31, we see Job pleading his case. He's asking a ton of questions. And I love this because Job is just being brutally honest. I love that story that I told at the beginning because here's a lady who's just being brutally honest. A lady who is lamenting. And Job is lamenting. He's lamenting this loss. He is walking through. And I, I want to encourage you with this. Lament is a thing still in the church that should be practiced. I agree that, that we are saved by grace. We enter in 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Christ into the throne room. There's no other way to get through the Father except for the Son. Victory in Jesus, I agree with, and I agree with this too. We live life, and we have loss, and there's grief, and there's tough times, and there's times where we have to lament before God. One time, I think I've told you this, and I'll tell you again if I have, is we moved from Lakeland, my, my place, to Virginia as a family when I was younger. And this was with my parents, and I wasn't happy. And my dad, who's, you know, they were going to plant a church and, and uh, wasn't pleased. Now, mind you, my life is not headed in the right direction during this time also, ninth and 10th grade. Right, I, I was living a facade. I'd go to church, and then the rest of the week, I'd just live like hell. And I remember being in, my, uh, in the new townhome, uh, crying, and my dad, who has always been a spiritual mentor to me, even when I didn't feel like being spiritual, says these words, are you mad at God? I didn't think that I could say yes to that. So I was like, are you mad at God? Yes. Then tell him. So I told him, and to my surprise, there was no bolt of lightning. To my surprise, I didn't wake up diseased. There's something that happened in that moment when I was just really real with God. And God, I don't understand this. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why I'm here. I have no friends. I have nothing. And it was only in time where I would, I would actually begin to submit my life to Christ. It was only in time, but I, I really think that that was a pivotal time right there where I could be as real as I could be, weeping, crying out to God, and saying, I don't understand what you're doing. And I am ticked. But you got to read this, y'all. So Job pleads his case. You know, what is going on? Why is this happening? I've done nothing. What is going on? And in Job 38 through 42, we're not going to read all of it. But God answers Job. I want to read you a little bit of it because it's good. It reads like this. And you're not going to have it back in the booth, so don't go into freak out mode. I know how that can be. You're like in the booth and you're like, okay. All right, so here we go. 
Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have questions for you and you must answer them. And I'm just gonna read you this first one, these first few verses. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? And the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And he goes on. And God just continues to challenge Job. And Job begins to learn a lesson. That actually, he says this in chapter 42. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Who is this? You ask, who is this that questions wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful to me. So I encourage you to read that entire book. It is a book that has lament in it. The psalm that I wanted you to read, Psalm 73, hugely just lamenting. Why do all these evil people have all this stuff? And their life seems so good. And my life sucks. Paraphrase. But in in verse 21, he says this. The psalmist says this. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, it must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold me by, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. This is a person that's, that's knocking. They're asking tough questions. They're lamenting they realize that God is in control. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. I mean, if if you look at, if you go through the 40 through 55 and you just come off of Job, right, and you pass through Psalm 73 and you go into 40, 41, 42, 43, you're gonna be like, did the same person write this? Man, these sound really like, they sound super similar. And then you might say something like, did they really talk like that? Like they were just having this exchange with God? How many of you have yelled before in prayer? Anybody in here? And not just because, oh, the Lord. Okay, I'm talking, you yelled like, what is going on? Anybody? Have you done that? You have? Okay. 
Paula come up and share about? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Paula's like, what? So think about that, though. And, and God's okay. He's big enough. And, and it says this, Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. How many of you guys have felt weak and powerless before? Yet he gives strength to the weak and to the powerless. There's something in there about the Beatitudes, right? Like we're weak, we're broken, we're powerless without him. He blesses those who are meek. He blesses those who are humble. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is good news. And what I want to say is this, and what I've come to understand at M&M, am coming to understand, I'm not coming to you that I'm the expert on prayer and this is what exactly what 7 through 12 means in Matthew chapter 7, but what I'm saying to you is this, that prayer is not about getting what I want. It's not even close. And for some of us, it's a big surprise when we find that out, but then I think as we become Closer and closer to God, it, does, it surprises us less and less. It's actually about me becoming more like Christ. It's about me finding myself. And I don't mean this in a way of like searching all over the place and waiting for a moment of self-actualization. The me that I've been looking for. I just self-actualize. So whatever it is, <laughs> self-actual, okay, it's that word, and now I'm stuck there. Okay, so, but, but it's, it's this. It's not about self-actualization. It's not about waiting for the moment for that to happen. Rather, it's about coming to Christ and realizing that I'm actually my truest self when I'm in Christ. Like, I will never be who I'm meant to be outside of Jesus, it cannot happen. And everything else, guess what happens? When, when we're in Christ, everything else fades into the background. Now, we don't act like it's not happening, but it fades into the background because Jesus is in front of us. We're in the presence of the living God. It doesn't mean that we're, our lives are gonna be just this fantastic thing from now on. We're gonna have challenges. We're gonna have hurt. We're gonna have pain. We're gonna have highs. We're gonna have lows. But Jesus is in front of us. And because of that, I can continue on. I'm found in Christ. Everything fades to the background when I'm living for him. I live a real life with real people that cause me real pain, that cause me re or give me real happiness, but I can continue to run after him. And guess where this happens? When I simply stand or sit 
in his presence. It happens when I stop and realize that my request that I'm lifting before God, my sincere prayer to him is being submitted with trust. It's not a demand that if I don't get my answer, it's gonna divide us. It's submitted in trust that I know God, Dad, Father, you know best. And we trust that he is in control. We trust that he is gracious. We trust that he is good. Trust that even in the midst of heartache and brokenness that he is the healer that can come and pick up the broken pieces and make me whole again. We can trust that he will walk with us, that he will not allow us to, to screw things up so much that we're just irredeemable. As a matter of fact, this is insane when you think about it. The God of creation invites you to walk with him. The God of creation invites you into a relationship that you can know him. When I pray of late, it's sloppy. When I pray, it's yelling, it's silence, it's standing, it's sitting, it's weeping, it's laughing. It's me coming to God and truly saying this. Would you break me? Would you make me? Would you form me from the inside out? Because I can trust you. Because you are good. So what I realized is this, that as we knock And we become more like Christ. Suddenly, like we've talked about, our, our requests become not self-centered. They expand beyond right here. They expand, and it looks like this, loving God and loving people. And I'm learning how to do that, and I hope that you're learning too, and I'm hoping that that the Spirit of God is transforming you from the inside out. That when we leave here today, we don't, we don't do church as an event on Sunday and then the rest of the six days or just whatever, that we're actually living in community, caring community for one another, that we're being Christ to the people around us wherever we go and whoever we interact with. And if we come to a situation where we say, God, I, I don't know, we just say that, and, and we say, God, but you do, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me to love you well and love others? So my question for you this morning is this. What might you bring to God this morning? Josh, if you wanna come up. What might you bring to God this morning? What is it that you've been lamenting? If you want to come to April. 
What has been like, oh God, I just don't understand this. What is it that you need to lay down at his feet? What's the request that you need to make and trust to him? Who is it that you need to entrust to him? And maybe it's you that you need to entrust to him this morning. What burden have you been carrying that is not yours to carry? What is the prayer that has not been answered? And I believe this, that God is here to minister to the deepest parts of who you are. So we're gonna do, we're gonna do some, Josh and April are gonna sing. Here's what I would encourage you, if you, if you have kids, Go grab them. Or you can come back in the room, whatever. But here's what I want to say to you is this. God is here to do business. And I would encourage you with this. Don't leave today. Don't leave here and say, well, maybe I'll get prayed for next time. Or, you know, maybe that's a little too much. I don't know if God can handle that. Because my question to you and to myself is, were you there when he laid the foundation? God loves you and he cares about you right where you are. And there's a great hope that's found in Christ where we actually find our true selves. So I wanna invite um, ministry team to come up. And I just wanna spend some moments. And I would love if you desire to get prayer is to be prayed for this morning. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Christ for five minutes or five years or 50 years. If you're saying, God, I need to submit this to you. So I just encourage you to do that.